They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. Um, it's getting toward the end of February here. I believe we're at February 25th. But um, Terry's going to be um, running on home. Uh, our grandson's visiting, so he's going to be helping. Uh, and our son is doing some work at the house, so they're going to be working with the Bo and teaching him, teaching him how to build and how to do things. And Bo's loving it. He's just loving it. So thanks be to God. So um, we want to say the Angelus here at the beginning of our program to remember that uh, God became man. God became man and dwelt among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we want to look at Genesis 3.22. And I, I love teaching Bible study. People come up with questions. It's funny, questions I never had. But, uh, you know, this, this one lady in our Bible study, she said, you know, what, what, is, what is the meaning of this passage here? You know, it says in Genesis 3.22. So, so then... Um, you know, this is what has happened, okay? The, the background, of course, is that Adam and Eve have been tempted to eat from the tree that God forbid, forbid them to eat. And they're standing there looking at the tree, and the devil addresses Eve, not Adam, but Adam's with her, and, and tempts her. And he tempts her what? He says, oh, no, you won't die. You won't die if you eat from the tree. You will be like gods, knowing good and evil. So then in Genesis 3.22, God makes this interesting statement. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he had been taken. That's actually verses 23 and 20. 22 and 23. So God is saying, well, the man has become like one of us. So it's like, oh, so the serpent was telling the truth. The man has become like one of us. Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I have a commentary from when I did my master's degree, the ancient Christian commentary on scripture, Old Testament Genesis 
1 through 11. So I have a commentary by the fathers of the church. And Ephraim the Syrian had an interesting statement here. And there were several fathers who commented on this that are quoted here. Ephraim the Syrian, John Cassian, Chrysostom, and then um, Ephraim the Syrian again. So what do we have going on? Okay, God says, behold, Adam has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Well, it's interesting. God says he's become like one of us. And again, in the beginning, remember God says, let us make man. So the, the hint at the fact that God is not a solitude unto himself, but that he's a community of persons. And, and actually, when his son comes, when Jesus becomes man, when the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man and takes to himself a human nature, and um, he will reveal that God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we only know God as Father because he reveals that he has a son. And of course, he, in the Old Testament, he talks about himself as Father. But um, so that, that's just, a, an aside, just part of it there that Ephraim mentions that when God says, let us, he's, he's already hinting at the fact that he's not a solitude, but a community of, of persons of love and life. And he doesn't, he's not just a solitude unto himself. You know, God is in his heaven and all is right with the world. No, he's a community of love and life. And so then he goes on. So he said, the point is rather that God was mocking Adam in that Adam had been told you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Well, who told God? Who told Adam he would become like God? <laughs> and this is, this is the, you know, the title for our show. In whom do we put our trust? Where is our trust? Remember, God makes Adam. He makes him in a perfect state of grace. He gives Adam these tremendous gifts, the gifts of infused knowledge, the gift of not being sick, the gift of not having to die, um, the gift of being able to be in friendship with God and communication with God. Um, and and so, so knowing goodness, really knowing, seeing the good that God has made, but knowing that God is the true good. Adam doesn't have concupiscence. There's no disorder in his nature. So he doesn't have this problem that we have where we see created goods and we mistake them for the creator. He doesn't have that problem. He sees created goods and he says, yes, those are, those are gifts that God gave us to help us get closer to him so that we'll know more about him. We can learn more about God. So Adam has a knowledge of goodness. He already has a knowledge of goodness. Adam already knows goodness because he knows God. And he's made in union with God. He's made in a state of grace. So, you know, who's telling him this? Um, well, he's listening to someone who um, is actually not his friend, by the way. The devil is never our friend. He hates us. We're made in God's image. And Satan rejected God. The devil rejected God. He doesn't want, he wants to do everything he can to destroy any resemblance of God in any of his creation. So he tries to destroy the image of God in man. This is what he tries to do. So keep in mind, who is it that's telling Adam he'll know good and evil? So now, even though after they ate the fruit, Adam and Eve came to know these two things. Before they ate the fruit, they had perceived in reality only good. So before they ate the fruit, before their sin, they only saw the goodness that God made. And they heard about evil only by hearsay. After they ate, however, 
a change occurred so that now they would hear about good only by hearsay, whereas in reality they would taste only evil. For the glory with which they had been clothed passed away from them, while pain and disease that had been kept away from them now came to hold sway over them. So that's, that was um, Ephraim the Syrian. And, and he's saying that, you know, in a sense, well, how do we say it today? God was giving Adam a reality check. Adam, you believe someone. Were they telling you the truth? Do you really know good and evil now? Is that, is that what happened? Are you like God now? St. John Cashin said, And how will that statement of the Lord stand after the sin of the first man? Behold, Adam has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And John Cashin goes on, For he must not be thought, must not, for he must not be thought to have been such before the sin that he was wholly ignorant of good. So before he sinned, Adam wasn't ignorant of good. We can't think of Adam as not knowing any good. And, and John Cashin goes on, otherwise it must be admitted that he was created like irrational and senseless animals. And that is quite an absurd and foreign to the Catholic faith. And it's absurd and foreign to the biblical witness. Adam named all the animals and Adam recognized that there was not in any of the animals one like himself. Remember? He didn't find a suitable partner. He didn't find anyone like himself. Oh, my. So Adam knows. He knows goodness. He knows what God has made as good. He knows God. Not face-to-face yet, but he has, he has grace. He's sta- created in the state of grace. He has mystical knowledge of God. And he can converse with God. So he had knowledge of goodness before his sin. So what, he didn't already know good? He did know good. So you got to, you know, always remember, use your reason. Your reason is good. Your reason is holy. God made your ability to think and reason. I'm not talking about feelings. Our feelings don't authentically represent the fact. And oftentimes our feelings uh, lead us astray. You know, I feel like everybody's talking about me behind my back. Well, maybe I have exaggerated self-awareness. Maybe I'm actually um, just wishing that someone would pay attention to me and give me the time of day. And so I'm imagining in my mind that, well, they must be talking about me. They must be thinking about me because I feel so lonely and isolated. Possibly, I don't know. But but no, I feelings don't authentically represent the fact. You know, it's like... Um, that, that saying, I know you think you understand what you thought I said. I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. Our emotions can color what we perceive. So we need to weigh what we feel against reality. Just like Adam here needed to weigh what the devil said against reality. And that's what God's telling him. Let me give you a little reality check here, Adam. Hey, I hear some music there. I guess it means it's time to take a break. Remember, Dr. French is going to be speaking on the Holy Eucharist tonight at this at the chapel here, Sacred Heart Chapel on 381 West Center Street in Covina. Join us if you can for that. I'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers, and we're talking about Genesis 3.22 and In Whom Should We Trust.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're talking today about Genesis 3.22 and this statement that God says uh, to Adam after he, after he sinned. He says, um, you know, God says, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Well, had the man really become like one of us, one of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, had they become like God, knowing something that they hadn't already known? Well, it's interesting. The fathers of the church say that um, you know, Adam and Eve had knowledge of goodness already. God is good. God is the source of all goodness. And they already knew God. They were made in a state of grace. They were made of, in a state of union with God. Mystical union. Not, they didn't have a vision of God. They didn't see God face to face. But they had mystical knowledge of union through grace. They could converse with him. They could pray. God was there with them. They were living in the state of grace. So, you know, you have this beautiful knowledge of goodness that they have, and you have this beautiful innocence that they have because they have no concupiscence. There's no disorder in their, in their flesh. Their spirit doesn't militate against their flesh, and their flesh doesn't militate against their spirit. They're, they're perfectly at one in themselves. There's integrity God gives them this great grace of integrity whereby they're constituted in such a way that all of the faculties of their body are perfectly subject to the faculties of the intellect. And the intellect knows good. The intellect knows God to be the true good. So the intellect informs the will to choose God in all circumstances. So all of the needs of the body, all of the desires and all of the um, faculties of the body are perfectly in harmony and listen to the intellect and obey it. And this is a tremendous grace. This was a grace. The grace of integrity was one of the preternatural graces that Adam and Eve wouldn't have to struggle with their flesh. It would be easy for them to do good and to choose good. All right. And so what happens with the fall? Well, it says that According to Solomon, everything that God, that God made man right. So, you know, with the, with the fall, God made man right. But then with the fall, what happens? Because God made Adam to enjoy continually the knowledge of good alone. But Satan comes along and he says, oh, so God told you not to eat of any of the trees of the garden. Notice how the tempter always twists what God has told us. God told you not to eat of any of the trees of the garden. Now, first of all, Adam and Eve, what are you doing by a tree that God told you not to eat from? It's beautiful and good. Yeah, God made it, but he told you not to eat from it. So, you know, in, 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 in Catholic uh, parlance, we call that um, the near occasion of sin. They weren't, avo- they weren't avoiding the near occasion of sin. They'd been commanded not to do something, and there they are looking at this tree and admiring it. So Satan comes along and he says, oh, did God tell you not to eat of any of the trees of the garden? No, God didn't say that. So Eve gets into a dialogue with with Satan. And and Satan says, oh, but God knows that you won't die when you eat it. As a matter of fact, you will become like gods, knowing good and evil. Well, they already know good. And what they don't know is they don't know sin. 
What is evil? Evil is the rejection of God. And they, you know, they have a free will and they have to make a choice. And right here is their choice. Are you going to trust God with your whole heart and mind and soul and say, you know, get out of here, tempter. Or call on God and say, Lord, there's, there's a creature in the garden here that's trying to make us do something you told us not to do. But they don't do that. They don't do either of those. Instead, they look at the, the fruit more. Oh, but it looks good. And it's wonderful the knowledge it could give. Well, what knowledge is it going to give them? That's the interesting thought. So there they were made, it was said, so they were made, as it is said, knowing good and evil. After the fall, therefore, Adam conceived a knowledge of evil, which he had not, he did not have, but he did not lose the knowledge of good, which he did have. So he had the knowledge of good. He has the knowledge of God. And what does he lose? He loses sanctifying grace. He disobeyed God and he loses sanctifying grace. And then with the loss of sanctifying grace, he also loses those gifts that were above and beyond his nature. They're called preternatural gifts, the gift of integrity, the gift of not being sick, the gift of never having to die, the gift of having infused knowledge. He loses them. He loses those gifts. And so now suddenly he's going to discover within himself a war within his own members. So he's so much better off now, isn't he? <laughs> God, made, God made this perfect paradise. You know, isn't it amazing? God makes a perfect paradise for us. And what do we say? But God, you're keeping something from us. You know, we allow uh, someone else to come along and tempt us into thinking, well, God, you're keeping something from us. I want to find out what it is. So I want to find out what it feels like to sin. I want to find out how, you know, and, and granted, the, the devil makes you think it's going to feel real good. And it, the funny thing about it is the indulgence of our flesh can feel good, even when it's sinful. But is it right? And does it help us to grow in goodness? Does it help us to grow in our humanity as human beings? You see, actually, sin degrades human beings. Any sin, it degrades us. And of course, mortal sin is a death blow to the grace of God in our soul. It kills the life of God in our soul. And we need to repent. We need to repent of all sins. And we need to make a firm resolve not to commit any sin. But we especially need to, you know, make sure that we're on the alert to any of these little subtle temptations of the devil where he's getting us to doubt that God loves us. And by the way, he uses the suffering. Suffering and death came into the world as a result of Adam's sin. And, and Satan uses those things to make us think that God doesn't love us. Oh, you see, but if God loved you, he wouldn't let you suffer like this. Well, no, the reality is, is God made a world where there would have been no suffering had we been faithful to God. But Adam and Eve sinned. And, and none of us can say we would have done better. We've all sinned. We're all in this together. We're all sinners. So we humble ourselves before the Lord and we, we acknowledge, Lord, we don't have the gift of integrity. And you know that. So it's easy for us now. It's real easy for us to choose evil. As a matter of fact, we are oriented toward evil. We're oriented away from God because of sin, because of original sin. When we're born, when a child is conceived in their parents' womb, that child is conceived, they say, in the state of original sin. Meaning what? Meaning he doesn't have God's grace. He has no grace of God. He has not the life of Godness. So he's already, he's, he's an enemy of God. 
Not because he's chosen to do anything wrong, but because Adam and Eve lost the gift of original grace that God would have given to every one of their their children. God would have given to each one of their children as they were conceived had Adam and Eve been faithful. And they weren't faithful. So they lost that, that original. When God created Adam and Eve in the state of grace, he didn't have to do that. But he did. He did. Because filling us with grace makes it easier for us to do good. And he, he gave them even more gifts because he gave them the gift of integrity, which made it even easier for them to do good, to see good, to know that God was the true good and to choose God. And they still blew it, you know? So to err is human, not just fallen human. To error is human. You see, Adam and Eve made an error in judgment and that's what made them fall. So God, you know, before, before the fall, they had this tremendous relationship with God. They had this beautiful relationship with one another where they saw each other as God sees them, as persons to be loved. Adam was there to serve Eve. Eve was there to serve Adam. They were there to mutually serve, and they were there mutually to serve God. Submit to one another. Be mutually submissive to one another in Christ. We serve God together. And their marriage was a perfect marriage. It was a match made in heaven. God made Adam and Eve for each other. And he gave Eve to Adam. And they have this beautiful harmony. And what happens after the sin? <laughs> There's no more harmony, is there? Remember, if you go back and read, you know, when, when the tempter comes and God, God comes, he says, Adam, where are you? And I was in the garden and I hid myself because I was naked. How did you know you were naked? What happened to your innocence? Who has taken your innocence away? You threw your innocence away through sin. Oh, oh, uh, well, uh, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. The woman you put here with me, God. Oh, okay, so it's God's fault, right? But the woman too, she's, she's part of it. She was the tempter. And then he says to Eve, well, why? Why did you do it, Eve? Why did you eat? Oh, the serpent, the serpent tricked me into it. And he, so neither of them repent and neither of them say, I'm sorry. They both pass the buck and the serpent doesn't have anybody to pass the buck to because the serpent is the devil and he's already been cast out. And so God condemns the serpent and then he promises, but he promises a savior. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and your seed. So, and I, it, we go backwards to understand the whole context of this. So God is, he's, he's kind of making fun of Adam, but it's kind of, it's, it's a making fun of him to say, Adam, what really happened here? You thought you were going to be like God once you ate from that tree. Now what's happened to you? Now all you know is evil. Now you know sin. Now you're at odds with your, with your wife already. The two of you are already at odds with each other. You already see each other as objects to be used. God had to clothe them. They had sewn fig leaves together, to, you know, loincloths. The first bikinis, Adam and Eve made the first bikinis. And what does God do? God clothes them. Because now man no longer sees his wife as a person to be loved. The man, Adam, sees his wife as an object to be used. And the same, and to be dominated. And Eve sees her husband, Adam, as an object to be used and to be manipulated each for their own pleasure. That's why they try and cover themselves <laughs> because they recognize that there's something new here, but is it a greater knowledge? 
or is it a degradation? <laughs> the devil promised them a greater knowledge, and what did they get? A degradation. And again, what do the fathers of the church say? Well, St. John Chrysostom says, says, you know, he didn't, he didn't actually receive knowledge from the tree of, that gives knowledge. Um, but in fact, the devil said, on the day when you eat from the tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like gods, knowing good and evil. Well, how can you maintain, you ask, that it did not provide him with the knowledge of good and evil? Okay, and, I, and then John Chrysostom says, well, who was it that said it would give you the knowledge of good and evil? And the devil, we have to answer him, the devil said that. So you put forward the testimony of the enemy and the conspirator. So you're saying that the devil wasn't lying when he said, oh, but the tree will give you knowledge. It's some knowledge that God's keeping from you. And there's that music again. So um, we're coming up against a break here. I want to remind everyone to go to our website and sign up for the Marriage and Family Conference. It's going to be May 7th. Uh, Dr. Sandoval and Terry and myself will be speaking. And if you can't come in person, please register to receive the, the, um, the virtual feed so that you can listen to it in a podcast. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this Bible with the Barbers on this last Friday of the month of February. I believe it's the 25th today. <laughs> I forgot to look at the calendar. Yes, it is the 25th. That's right. So um, anyway, we're, we're talking about Genesis 3.22 where... God makes this statement that, um, behold, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And the devil was the one who attempted them. And we have some commentary here we've gone through by the fathers of the church. And that if we believe that Adam and Eve actually got some knowledge from eating of the tree, then we're believing Satan. We're believing the witness of the devil, the, of our enemy, a liar. Remember, he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's not capable of telling the truth. He's a liar. And so... Um, the deal is, is that they didn't gain a knowledge. They lost something. They lost their innocence. They lost grace. So now, yeah, they have, what is evil? Evil is the rejection of good. It's, the re, it's, it's a, an absence. Evil is, God, everything that God made is good. God didn't make evil and he didn't make sin. Okay? Evil is the rejection of good. And so now Adam and Eve have this experience of rejected rejection of goodness they now know what it means to be at odds not only with god but with each other and with themselves before the fall they had integrity they had knowledge of goodness already and they let their trust in god and I, we, there's a lot of lessons for us to learn here number one don't argue with the devil fly number two your faith is a gift from god if you think you're losing it ask him to sustain you in faith. Ask him to show you what's causing this lack of faith in you and to correct it. You know, and, and the other thing is, <sighs> sin isn't going to make you um, stronger or more wise or better. I mean, it could make you richer. It can give you a lot of physical pleasure. But that's all passing and fleeting. It's all going to go away. 
Sin degrades us as human beings. We become degraded. Go back and read all of Genesis 3 and what happened there. After they sinned, Adam and Eve are at odds with each other. Adam blames Eve, but he also, he's blaming God. And then Eve blames the serpent. You know, I, well, I can't take responsibility. We're not taking, neither of them are taking responsibility for their actions. And isn't that what we do when we sin? We don't want to take responsibility for, oh, the devil made, you know, Philip Wilson, the devil made me do it. No, actually, you don't need the devil's help to sin. <clears throat> because you see, you, we lost integrity. Adam and Eve lost integrity. They lost original innocence. They lost original grace. They lost so much. They were degraded by this sin. And they also no longer saw one another as persons to be loved. They had to learn how to <laughs> learn anew, as it were, how to relate to one another. So much was lost. So much was lost. They didn't gain. They lost. And yet, God doesn't leave them in that state. God promised a Messiah. He promised he would send a Messiah. What's interesting is, in the very next verse, it says that they were, um, they were going to be cast out of the Garden of Eden so that they couldn't stretch out their hand to the tree of life. Well, what would happen if they, at that point they had stretched out their hand to the tree of life? And the fathers of the church give us a very interesting insight into this. You see, if they had stayed in the garden and then, you know, and, and sin is what cast them out of the garden. It's not that God cast them out. It's that you can't be here. You've sinned. And now you're going to suffer. You see, I was protecting you from suffering, but because of sin and you lost my grace, now you will suffer. And not only will you suffer, you'll die. And... Um, so if Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life after having sinned, that means that they would have an eternal life of suffering. There would be no end to their suffering. They would always be suffering because <laughs> they would have eternal life, but they would have that, that eternal life would include suffering. So as I, you know, some people think well, they want to live forever here on earth. Really? You know, we weren't made to live here forever on earth. We were made to be in heaven with God. But um, look at the suffering people have to go through in life. And our suffering has meaning. Remember that. All of our suffering can be offered up in union with Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. St. Paul writes, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. That all of our sufferings can bring about good. Not that we are bringing about the good, but God will use our sufferings. He will grant graces to us and to the world and to the church if we willingly offer the crosses, toils, disappointments of life and the sufferings that come. Sickness and illness and stuff, they're going to come. There's no scientist. There is no doctor. There is no billionaire or trillionaire or quadzillionaire there's no one in this world, no human being who can ever buy you a life or give you a life or uh, attain for you a life or somehow invent for you a life that is free of suffering. You're going to have suffering. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said. But be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. So suffering is part of life because of original sin as a result of the sin. And so Adam and Eve, God is not saying, well, now, you know, that's not a, a definitive statement where you're saying, yeah, actually, you know, now they've become like God because they ate from that tree. No, no. And as St. John um, Chrysostom said, um, 
To believe that would be to believe the lie that the devil told. And Jesus said the devil was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So (laughs) he is lying to us. He wants us to not believe that God is good. And he uses our suffering now to make us believe that. Suffering is very hard to bear. And especially if we're taking care of someone who's suffering a long time. And we see their sufferings. And then we have our own sufferings in serving them. And we begin to feel sorry for ourselves. And we begin to think, well, you know, God is so mean. He's letting a person go through this. You know, why would God let me suffer this way? Or why would God let my loved one suffer this way? Or why would God give me cancer? Well, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, God created a perfect paradise. Adam and Eve sinned. And so now as a result of that sin, there's going to be suffering in in this world. And there's going to be disorder in our bodies. Our bodies don't have integrity anymore. And so they're going to break down and disintegrate. But we're not living for an eternal life here in this world. We're living to get to heaven to be with God. So when suffering comes, we can unite all of our sufferings to Jesus Christ in his passion. That's what we firmly believe. That's what the church has always taught, that all of our sufferings are redemptive when we unite them to Jesus Christ in his passion. So we can offer up our sufferings in union with Jesus, or we can complain about them. And complaining about them just makes us a miserable, wretched person who people don't want to be around. Or we can rejoice you know, evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Even in the midst of suffering, we can give thanks. And the saints have shown this to us over and over again. By the grace of God, saints have suffered tremendous things. Cancer, abandonment by their family, martyrdom, leprosy, on and on and on. Even drug addiction. St. Mark G. Tianqian a martyr who died in the Chinese Boxer Revolution. He was a Catholic Christian. And he, had, he was a medical doctor who served the poor for free. And he had become an opium addict because he got this horrible stomach ailment in his mid-30s and he started treating the pain with opium. But he became hopelessly addicted. Well, he went to confession to confess his addiction and he was sorry for it. But the priest, after a couple of years, the priest said, no, if you were really sorry, you would give this up. Well, back in the 1800s, that's what people thought. You know, anybody who's really sorry for something, they're going to stop doing that behavior. They didn't understand the nature of addiction. And, and so he was refused con- absolution and confession, and he was refused Holy Communion. But Mark didn't stop praying. He didn't give up God. He didn't walk away from God because the priest misunderstood his his situation. He offered all of that to God. And he begged God for the grace of martyrdom. After many years, he, he said, Lord, how can I get to heaven? Father says I'm living in the state of moral sin. I don't want this. So please give me the grace of martyrdom. So I can, and I'm paraphrasing. I haven't actually read his life or the, you know, what are they, the, the, the Vatican always, they always, they gather all the, tr- the testimony when they make, when they c- canonize someone, there's testimony gathered and they get their writings and they observe, they go through them and they read them. And they, so they have the actual words. I don't have them, but, but I know that he offered, he, he said to God, please give me the grace of martyrdom. And when the boxer revolution came, Mark G. Tianqian was in his seventies. 
So he had been without the sacraments now for, for 30 years or more. And he was offered an opportunity to continue living in this world by renouncing his faith. And he said, no, I won't renounce Jesus Christ. You see, the Boxer Revolution was about cast, casting out all Western influence. And, and the, the people who led the Boxer Revolution just considered Christianity a Western influence that needed to be cast out. They didn't understand that Jesus came to save all people, everyone. It's not a Western influence. It's God. It's God became man and lived among us and still lives among us in the Holy Eucharist. And so Mark said, no, I won't. I won't renounce my faith and I won't give up Jesus Christ. So he and nine other members of his family, two of his own children, so but relatives, you know, extended family, family, immediate family, his own children, and extended family, nine other members, were brought up for martyrdom to, to be executed because they wouldn't renounce their Catholic faith and they wouldn't renounce Jesus Christ. And Mark said to the executioners, he said, please execute me last so that none of my family members has to die alone. So he accompanies each one of his family members in, through to, to pass faithfully. He helps them to pass faithfully to the Lord, to remain firm in their resolve to the end. And then he was the last one who, was, who died. And, but he gained the crown of life because even though he had a horrible addiction that he didn't, couldn't overcome and God didn't give him the grace, he still humbled himself before the Lord and begged for God's mercy continually. So, you know, this is a tremendous example of what we want to do in our Christian life. We're up against another break. Don't go away. We'll be back with you. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February 25th, 2022. And I want to thank all of our listeners, all of those who have the app, all of those who listen online, on Facebook, on Rumble, all of the radio stations, uh, stations across and the other smaller radio stations that pick up our signal. Thank you. And pass this on to your friends. Um, let your friends know about this, this station. And I just want to mention a couple of events coming up. Um, I know we've mentioned it, but I want to remember, remind you tonight at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel on 381 West Center Street in Covina, Dr. French will be giving a talk on the Holy Eucharist, how the Holy Eucharist brought him back to the faith and really enlivened his faith and set him on fire for the Lord. So don't miss it. If you can come at all, please come tonight at 7 and then also, um, we're going to have a marriage and family of, uh, conference on May 7th, uh, for, and we want everyone to come, if they can come. If not, though, please do register and listen online. You can register to listen online. That, that'll be available uh, for listening online. The, the speakers will be Dr. Louis Sandoval and then Terry Barber and myself. So um, please don't miss that on marriage and family. Let your friends and family know about it and invite them to come. And um, today we're on Bible with the Barbers. We've been talking about Genesis 3, 22. And was the Lord really saying that um, Adam had come to know good and evil by eating from the tree? 
Well, God had forbidden him to eat from the tree. It was a way of, you know, testing Adam. You have to obey the Lord. And Adam had failed that test. He didn't obey. He listened to the tempter. And so this applies to us. And I just before the break, I told the story of St. Mark G. Tianqian. He was a, um, a martyr in the Chinese Boxer Revolution. And uh, you can look up his story. His last name is T-I-A-N-X-I-A-N. It's Chinese name, but it's, it's, it's Mark G, and that's J-I. So, um, but look him up and read his story. But, but the point of it is what? In whom did Mark put his trust? Mark, although he had this terrible addiction to opium, he never gave up his trust in God. Even when the priest, who didn't understand the nature of addiction, and therefore thought, thinking Mark was not repentant of his sins, wouldn't give him absolution and therefore wouldn't allow him to go to Holy Communion. You know, if we go to confession and make a joke of it, we're just there to make fun and mock or, or pretend to somebody who's outside the confessional that we're going to confession, that, that's a sacrilege. And it's wrong. And if, if a priest were to discern that you're not sorry for your sins, he can't give you absolution. You know, in order to receive forgiveness of our sins, we have to be sorry. But we can be really, really sorry for our sins and still fall into the same sin. But we need to try and avoid the near occasion of sin. And, and we need to try to not do the things that might cause us to fall into addiction uh, in the first place. So, you know, turn to God and, and, and not that Mark wasn't. Mark was an incredibly prayerful man. Mark was a pillar of his Catholic community. Mark would serve the poor for free. He was a medical doctor and he wouldn't cho- charge the, free, the poor. He didn't charge the poor for services. He served them. So he was a tremendously, he was a pillar, considered a pillar of their Catholic Christian community there. And yet God allowed him to, to develop this tremendous stomach ailment, whatever it was. And, and Mark being a doctor, he said, well, I have access to opium. Maybe the opium will help me treat the pain. And what he didn't understand, what he didn't know ahead of time, of course, is that how his body would respond to the opium. And he became actually hopelessly addicted to it. But he never gave up his faith in God. He never gave up his trust in God. You see, this is what Satan tries to do to us. Just as he lied to Adam and Eve and said, oh, you know, God's keeping something from you. If you eat from that tree, you'll be like God. Well, you know, afterwards, God's saying to Adam, he's giving him a a reality check. Oh, now that they're like, they have become like one of us, God, the Trinity, well, no, they hadn't become like one of them. As a matter of fact, they'd lost integrity. They'd lost grace. They'd lost innocence. They'd lost so much. <laughs> and they'd lost the protection against disease and death and, and suffering. So, but God, the reality check. You see, you trusted the enemy. And God must have warned Adam about the enemy. He must have warned him. You, there, you have an adversary. He, you know, that, that the angels had fallen. There were fallen angels who would try and tempt you to, to turn away from me. Adam had infused knowledge, so he must have had some knowledge of God must have. I would, I would think, why would God put him there and not warn him that he had an enemy who might come and try and trick him? But um, so that being said, Adam let his trust in God die in his heart. Now, St. Mark G. T., Mark G. Tianqian, on the other hand, didn't let his trust in God die in his heart, even in the face of what, what seemed absolutely hopeless. I am condemned to hell for all eternity because I can't get over this addiction. And yet he continued to turn to God and he said, Lord, please grant me the grace of martyrdom. May I shed my blood for you. And God did. 
And this is it. We have to trust in God. Even in the midst of the confusion that we're living in, we have to trust in God and we need to turn to him. And this is, you know, Our Lady came at Fatima and, and the church has declared Fatima to be worthy of belief. So it, that means that the church is saying, yes, it was really the Blessed Virgin Mary who came with a message for mankind. And the message was stop sinning, stop offending God, repent of your sins, do your duty, the duties of your state in life, your daily duty. And by the way, it's not our duty to be entertained to death. It's not my duty to just go to work and then after I work for eight hours to earn the money I need to live on, to then just sit in front of a television or listen to a radio or watch sports games or whatever else. No, I have a duty before God, first of all, to love the Lord my God with my whole heart and mind and soul and to serve him. And second of all, to love my neighbor as myself and to serve my neighbor. So extra time, extra money, when God has given us more than we need of this world's goods, that's to share it with those who don't have. We're supposed to be building other people up in the Lord and helping people to come to know God. We all have a mission in the building of the kingdom of God. And God will give us the grace to do what it is. But families, husbands and wives, your, your mission, first of all, is to your spouse and then to the children that God has blessed you with. And, you know, marriage is not easy because of the sin, the original sin. Remember, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves, themselves. They made loincloths for themselves of fig leaves. And God has to clothe them with skins. God has to cover them properly because they no longer see each other as persons to be loved. They see each other as objects to be used. Or to be manipulated or dominated. They're not persons anymore. And this, is, this can happen. We can do this to our spouses. We can do this to our children. Oh, they're just, they're just pawns for me to use to manipulate other people or, or to manipulate them to get them to do what I want them to do. No, every child ha- is made by God with a mission in the building of the kingdom of, of God. And we have to help our children discover their mission, their vocation from God. Vocation from the Latin vocare, to call. God calls us all to do something in the building of the kingdom of God. And we want to help our children discover that call. But the children that God entrusts to us are not ours, they're God's. We belong to God, our children belong to God. And we're here to discover to them the love of God for them. The love of God poured out for them in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the height and length and breadth and depth of that love. And that God is always there to help us to do the right and to avoid the evil. We can avoid sin. We have the grace. We have to ask. And remember, sin is in the will. It's not in the body. So if I reject an evil with my will, even if my body acts against my will, it's not a sin. It's like anger. People oftentimes, they say, well, I I got angry and I sinned and I have to go to confession because I got angry. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You got angry. Somebody slugged you in the face and you felt anger. Well, did you hit him back? Did you beat him up? Well, no, I walked away. Why'd you walk away? Because I, it's, you don't fight back. I shouldn't hurt them just because they hurt me. Well, then you didn't commit a sin of anger. You felt the emotion of anger because someone committed injustice. You see, the fathers of the church said anger 
is the emotion that was given to us by God to move the just man to correct injustice. When we see injustice, we should feel anger. Okay? Jesus Christ felt anger in the temple. That doesn't mean he acted like a madman. He made a whip of cords to drive the animals out. And he might have used it to drive some of the men out, just like you would spank a child who's been disobedient. And I don't mean beat them, but spank them. You give them one whack or you, or, you, or you crack the whip in the air to say, you know what, you need to get out. But Jesus wasn't out of control. His anger hadn't taken over. He didn't let the emotion of anger take over his intellect and his will. And that's, see, sin is in the will. It's, it's when we choose that anger with our will and, and say, I, I would, I'm going to hurt that person. I'm going to get even with them. Well, no, that, you know, no, no, we don't do that. And, and sometimes it's best not to get into a dialogue with somebody who's committed injustice against you because it, it, sometimes the emotion of anger will get out of hand and we will end up choosing the sin, sin, sinning. We'll, cho- we'll, we'll choose that emotion with our will and, and commit a sin. So be careful, though, to, to recognize that we don't have the gift of integrity. We don't have perfect dominion over our bodies. But every one of our 11 emotions are good. God made them, and they all have a purpose. And there's holy anger. But it's, the purpose of anger is to move us to correct injustice. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the proper way to correct the injustice that I see? Is it my place to correct it? Because sometimes I can't correct it. The Blessed Mother stood at the foot of the cross. She, she didn't stop the crucifixion. She didn't even try. She said, Father in heaven, this is your will. And I surrender to suffer this with my son. And I will suffer in silence. And I will not complain about the injustice of the Romans. I'm not going to complain about the injustice of the apostles not being here. I'm not going to complain about all the people whom he healed who aren't here. I'm not going to complain about the people who are making fun of him and ridiculing him. Lord, I, I unite myself to my son. And, and she was there to be with Jesus. And we're up against the clock. Why are we always up against the clock? <laughs> because we live in time. But there comes a time when, there will come a time when time will come to an end for us. And when that happens, please God, we will be in the state of grace and ready to come home. So Lord, grant us the grace of final perseverance. If I'm not in the state of grace, Lord, please put me in the state of grace. If I'm in the state of grace, please keep me there. If you can come tonight at 7 p.m. for Dr. French's talk, awesome, please come. Please sign up for the Marriage and Family Conference. It's happening on May 7th. Even if you can't attend in person, you can listen to it online because we will make the recording available. Thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for supporting us with your prayers, your sacrifices, and your monetary help. Thank you to all of our volunteers who help us with the different events that we do and just help us on, on a regular basis. Thank you all the radio stations that pick us up and all of our listeners. And please, spread the word. Let your friends know that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is here. We want to share the gospel with you. We want you to know your faith and to be able to live it to the full. God bless you.